0: Lights, Camera, Asia. A look at Asian culture and history through the lens of cinema. Hello and welcome to Lights, Camera, Asia. In the past months, we've looked at two important martial arts movies and perhaps more importantly, the pivotal changes in history as portrayed through the scope that is constructed by the elements in those movies. In Twilight Samurai, we see the story of a low-ranked samurai struggling to make ends meet at a time when the entire Japanese society was moving towards a new social structure, one in which warlords and samurais will no longer be needed. In The Grandmaster, we see how martial artists in China have to make difficult choices to pass on traditions and their family crafts at a time when the land was engulfed in war and countless lives and crafts were lost along the way. Japan and China have traditionally been known as countries with their distinct history and style as far as cinema is concerned. Today, we are going to move our eyes to a rising power in the Asian cinematic landscape. And look at a movie that arguably puts South Korean cinema on the map. The movie was a psychological thriller released in 2003, and it is called Old Boy. In Korean, Old Boy is a term that people use to address their former classmates, especially ones that they're familiar with. And classmates, as we'll see later, is one of the key relationships that connects the film's two protagonists. But Before I go too far ahead, let's take a look at South Korean cinema in general and see how it's become a force to be reckoned with in not just Asia but on the world stage. When we crack open the history book, we can see that there have always been high quality films that come out of South Korea. Between the end of World War II in 1945 and the late 1970s thereabouts, the country has produced a number of high-quality historical pieces and melodramas. However, South Korea as a whole has seen a number of pivotal changes in the period, and its film industry rose and fell along with the societal changes. Following World War II, the film industry was on its way to recovery as the nation as a whole was undergoing economic recovery. Filmmakers explored themes such as liberation and freedom which reflected the overall sentiment after the nation survived the invasion from the Japanese military. In the subsequent years, however, the government began to exercise control over the subject matters of local films, and many directors had no choice but to produce movies that were politically correct and in line with the mandate of the ruling administration at the time. To make matters even more difficult, the Korean War between 1950 and 1953 plunged the burgeoning film industry back to a deep slump. Many productions were halted and shelved, and there were little to salvage in terms of completed movies that were made during that stretch. After the Korean War concluded, the government put in place many economic incentives, such as tax exemptions, to help the film industry recover once again. The next one and a half decade saw the South Korean film industry both grow and struggle in significant ways. The quantity and quality of the films produced during the era soared, with many movies receiving both critical acclaims and box office success. The government still had its grip on the industry, however, as they still see movies as a tool for political propaganda. The filmmakers active during these years walked a very tight robe as they constantly try to balance the urge to create a film with their own imprints and the government's requirement to fall in line with the so-called guidelines. But it was also during this era that the film industry began to mature in a way that average filmgoers began to grow accustomed to. A key concept in film is the notion of genre. And a key measure of the film industry's level of maturity is whether the industry has a range of established genres to offer to its audience. To put it simply, each and every genre contains a set of themes and motifs that are consistent across all the movies within such genre. In horror movies, for example, there are elements of fear made possible by a large variety of horror tropes ranging from jump scares to slow, eerie atmospheres. When we talk about action movies, There are often scenes that involve chases, explosions, and physical confrontations. The idea of genre is hugely important as it allows the audience to know what to expect prior to seeing each movie and therefore making the process of selection and advertising much, much easier. Though the South Korean cinema during this time dealt very little with political criticism, its many genres were shaping up quite nicely. Melodramas, comedies, action movies, horror films, etc. were all gaining popularity among its respective fans, and the era, despite its limitations, were later on considered the golden era of early South Korean cinema by historians. Although I must say, the historians who coined the term gold era probably would not have predicted the boom that came during the subsequent years starting in the early 1980s the south korean government drastically dialed back their censorship control over the cinema allowing filmmakers to tackle more radical subject matters and around the same time south korean business conglomerates such as Samsung began to integrate all the elements in the movie's production process This means that companies with sufficient means brought the production, marketing and distribution of their movies all under their own roof. The result is an increasingly streamlined and efficient production model that greatly facilitates and speeds up the process of making and delivering films to the audience. At the same time, domestic Korean filmmakers had to hurry up and up their game since another shift was looming. South Korea had a screen Quota law that restricts the number of days that foreign films can be publicly screened. The law was put in place since the late 1960s in an effort to protect the local film industry from the onslaught of Hollywood movies. However, as U.S. and South Korea engaged in a number of economic dialogues over the years, the Korean government has had to dial back the restrictions due to pressure from the United States. Despite protests and large-scale rallies from workers of local film industry, it simply had to be done. According to a local study published in 2006, the South Korean movie industry was grossly overpowered by Hollywood, as the country imported close to 36 million words of American movies while exporting only 2 million worth of its own movies to the United States. It goes without saying, that this is seen as pressure and motivation for South Korean filmmakers to produce high-quality films since it is their own culture and market and economy that is at stake. Beginning in the late 1990s, the South Korean film industry saw another surge in the quality and perhaps more importantly, the international recognition of their films. More and more directors and their works began to win awards at film festivals, and South Korean cinema as a whole was earning global popularity, and this brings us back to Old Boy, because when we talked about award-winning movies from Korea, there is arguably no bigger name than this one. Released in 2003, Old Boys was one of a trio of movies called the Revenge Trilogy, all directed by Park Chan-wook. The three films explore the various themes involved in the act of revenge, and Old Boy was particularly well regarded as it presents a plot that is as tightly woven as it is filled with surprises and emotional impact. It also explores some of the darkest and ugliest urges of human beings when pushed to the limit, and it presents these urges as well as the ensuing actions and consequences on screen in a manner that is upfront, brutal, and downright confrontational. Just how good and how popular is Oldboy still to this day? It was nominated for Best Director and Best Picture at almost all the movie festivals that it took part, and it won in many of those categories. These include the Asia-Pacific Film Festival, the British Independent Film Awards, the Chicago Film Critics Award, the European Film Award, and arguably the most highly regarded film award of them all, the Grand Prix at the Cannes Film Festival in France which is regarded by many as the most important film festival for artistic and independent movies. And it's not just the critics who love *Old Boy*. The film has garnered a cult following among Western audience in the years following its release. Now, this is a no small feat, considering the fact that foreign movies with subtitles are often screened in limited release in the US. This means that only few cinemas in the country show the film, and in short stretches instead of the nationwide releases that Western local movies tend to enjoy. But despite this quite severe handicap, Old Boy quickly got popular among die hard moviegoers, and through the word of mouth, it reached a much wider audience than it was initially intended for. I myself majored in film studies back in university and I vividly remember the first time that our professor screened a portion of Oboid in class. Suffice to say, it made for a very spirited discussion session afterwards. In the following weeks, we will talk about the many aspects and facets of the movie. We'll of course talk about its story, but more importantly, we'll talk about the many techniques that director Chan-wook Park employed to deliver the story and its emotions in such a gutsy and visceral manner, it's in a manner that very few directors could. So please make sure to tune in to the next episode for an exhilarating view on the story of Old Boy. Thank you very much for listening. For Lights, Camera, Asia, I'm Jake Chen, and I'll talk to you next week. What do you know about Taiwan? I know who the president is. What about their local music and food? Well, hmm, what do you suggest? Tune in to Radio Taiwan International. Here at RTI, we offer the authentic Taiwan experience. You hear the sound of remote attractions, the local food, music, the lives of real Taiwanese as they live it. Visit english.rti.com.